Okay, welcome back to episode 52 of the Cairo London podcast. And today uh, I was really privileged to have a conversation with John Mitchell, who is England rugby's defence coach, uh, working closely with Eddie Jones. He's also the ex-All Blacks head coach back in 2003, where he and Eddie had a bit of a head-to-head. Those rugby fans will know what I'm talking about. Uh, The game that led to... England winning the World Cup, long story, but Eddie was in charge of Australia at the time. Uh, He also played 130 games in First Division New Zealand rugby, so um, he's put his body on the line as much as he has uh, his coaching. So, um, you know, it it, it seems like a bit of an easy idea doing a podcast, right? Um, And I've done 52 of them, can you believe, Uh, which is more than one a week. So you would have thought that I would know how to uh, hold a good conversation these days. But, you know, um, it's a challenge. Uh, and let me be honest with it, uh, with you guys. Um, you know, uh, this particular conversation I felt completely underqualified to be hosting, as although I am a rugby fan, I do not know the game like I probably should, uh, having a conversation with someone uh, who is a, a legend of the game. Um, two, we recorded this by the banks of the Thames down in Putney. Uh, and so we had cars going by, rowing coaches yelling at us. Um, uh, there was Chinook helicopters flying over at one point, babies crying, all sorts of stuff going on. And it was also the first time that I used this Rode mic, uh, which is like a wireless um, system, which actually, to its credit, did a great job of picking up the conversation and putting into the background all of those things that add character to this podcast. So, yeah, you'll hear our conversation Try not to be too distracted by some stuff going on in the background, but, you know, it shouldn't affect your enjoyment of this episode. Um, but look, the other thing about a podcast is it's reasonably difficult to uh, listen and then to kind of direct the conversation uh, at the same time. But look, Mitch was great. He's a really humble guy. Uh, he kept things really simple. Um, we cover um, performance enhancement. We cover loads about recovery. He talks about how the 2019 World Cup, England really got into the Japanese Osens, which are these hot springs, and that really aided their recovery and their sort of almost their like ability to sort of mentally relax after a game as well as physically. So that could be one of the little secrets to their performance in the 2019 World Cup. Um, we discuss New Zealand's use of butter and whether or not that could be a key factor into how dominant they have been over the decades. You're going to have to listen halfway through to hear that conversation. Uh, And we also cover how he's been a regular at Putney Chiropractic here for a couple of years now, and he has actually all through his life, and even his dad, um, were a big fan of chiropractors. So, um, yeah, you'll, you'll get to hear some about that as well. So, you know, because of the challenges of doing the podcast, I didn't manage to squeeze as much as I would have liked to have about working alongside uh, Eddie Jones. I'm sure he had more tales to tell about that, but we didn't cover that. Uh, I also missed a chance to congratulate him on what a great job he's been doing in his, uh, well, both his professional playing career and his um, coaching career, especially with England recently. So, Mitch, thanks very much for 
the conversation and I hope everyone gets to enjoy uh, a real nice insight into coaching elite athletes who are at the top of their game. Okay, thanks guys. Over to you, Mitch. Just thanks for having a little chat. No, awesome. No problems at all. Went to Sunbury and then um, the Thames and the, we London Irish train and then back out to Guildford where Harlequins train and then came back into here. So nice little, nice little uh, zigzag. So have you been, uh, you literally, that's I guess part of your job right now is just keeping an eye on selection, what the players are yeah, doing. And... Selection for the new, uh, we obviously want to bring some young players through. So, um, so with the Lions trip coming up in that, which, you know, um, you just want to expose some new guys. So we just exhaust our list and then I uh, create like a, a watching program. Wow. Mm. Well, that's where I was going to start anyway, and I should probably um, introduce you, John Mitchell. Thanks for coming on the Kyra London podcast. <laughs> <laughs> or shall we call it the Kyra London walk down to the river at Putney? Um, <laughs> set the scene, actually. What are we drinking? Um, I think I'm drinking a, flat, a nice flat white <laughs> from that very great uh, coffee shop across the road. So that coffee shop is 79 Collective, but it's actually Ground Coffee Society as the guys that supply the coffee. Okay. And you obviously would have seen the coffee shop when it was still called Ground yes. Coffee Society. Yeah. Mm. But anyway, the coffee guys, Dave, sponsor the pod. Ah, okay. So it's quite fitting that we actually are drinking some of the product as we go. <laughs> is, the, is the guy that owns it, is he a Kiwi? Yeah, well, uh, yeah. he's it's actually not, not. He's English, but he's married into the Kiwi Mafia. Okay, because he's actually, I've met him once or twice and he's actually from my area, so, um, yeah. Or yeah, he's, well, he's, his wife and uh, the, I think there's a couple of sisters mm -hmm. and um, uh, the dad, a, a couple of them, they've okay. actually moved back just recently, in fact. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Because um, um, they, they had things that I'm familiar with as a kid in terms of confectionery, they had jet planes and pineapple chunks, which are... The kind of the sweets that we were uh, brought up on as kids, so that was what attracted me originally to the to the shop. <laughs> I was going to ask you, uh, you're obviously your job's like defence coach for the England rugby, right? Yeah. Talk me through your. Well, you already gave us a little bit of a snippet of your day job, but um, what what is your day job on a day to day sort of a basis, both in competition and then yeah. outside of competition? So, like, it, it's it's like an off-season, um, pre-season, in-season. So we're kind of like in a going back into a – every time we come out of a competition, we go sort of go into an off-season. So you get some recovery. Um, obviously catch up on a bit of sleep and get back to the normalities of, of living at home and, and that. And then it's kind of like setting some priorities um, that, that I focus on. And that's in, in relation to selection because I'm responsible for – um, giving feedback on the uh, um, and evidence on the on the back row, and then um, focus on the yeah, the areas of the game um, where we want to want to improve, um, and obviously the remits that I have in terms of uh, uh, defence and and breakdown. So then it's kind of like saying, well, okay, how can I improve those? Uh, what's what's the game informing us? So you sort of talk to all your network around the world who are involved in the game as well, and. It's kind of like a learning stage, uh, gathering information, what would fit for us, um, uh, what are the implications uh, that are occurring in the game and how, how do we need to train it. 
So that's kind of like you get into that kind of process and and we as a coaching group will eventually end up having some teaching camps, um, some camps on uh, improving our communication and then obviously there'll be some rugby camps prior to actually meeting the team and, and getting going. So you obviously work with uh, Eddie Jones, the great Aussie bloke. Yes. Um, and so I'll get some conversation about him as well but like what um within that sort of structure of the coaching structure and you know i've got to say as a even though i am an aussie uh i'm pretty sure i'm the most under uh prepared person to have this conversation because of the fact that i'm an aussie who grew up in victoria in the aussie rules like mecca and um so it's not going to be an in-depth rugby analysis that's for sure because i don't have that (laughs) (laughs) like background at all but um you know so what, uh, how does Eddie use you as a defence coach, I guess, is the Yeah, uh, um, well, we go, we go uh, quite a way back, actually. He was coach of Australia in, um, in the early millennium, um, and I ended up being coach of the All Blacks. So we were obviously adversaries going, uh, going into the 2003 World Cup, and um, uh, we had our success, and then he had his success. He got us in the semi-final. Um, in 2003 and then obviously uh, I think prior to that I was with the Chiefs he was with the Brumbies um, and then obviously you go off into your different parts of the world to carry on your career and and um, it just happened to be I was at the Bulls in Pretoria at the time and um, he just said have you thought about coming and helping me out with the defence and I said well I hadn't re-signed um, so yeah, there is there is an opportunity, and that was how how it all t- um, went about. Um, I guess what uh, what influenced it as well. Um, it was I was getting to a stage where I was and where I was at as a head coach. I didn't really I was teaching a lot and teaching others, but I got to a point where I wasn't learning. I felt enough from others. Um, South Africa is a real difficult place to learn from others because you're you're quite isolated yeah. and stuff. So um, and then obviously you've got mates who are in same competition as well, so you, you, you can't share as much. Um, so that was that was a, um, certainly a, um, attracting. And then just the fact that, you know, like he's a, a world-class coach, um, has a thirst for a passion and a thirst, uh, f- you know, for winning and learning. Um, so I thought, you know, wh- why not, um, you know, become an assistant coach? I was also here 20 years ago with England, under Sir Clive Woodward, so for me it was quite. Uh, it wasn't what a, a struggle to fit into the into the culture. As soon as I walked back into Twickenham, even though cosmetically or aesthetically it changed, it still had um, really fulfilling memories, um, you know, from from the past because that was where kind of like where I did my apprenticeship for five years here in England. Yeah, right. So I was sort of kind of indebted in many ways to to the system giving me that that, that apprenticeship. You know, forty odd games a year, um, no better place to learn and find out different ways to 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 play the game and and players and players up here and teams have different strengths and different weaknesses. Whereas down down south, you know, most teams generally play a fairly similar way in terms of being a possession based team. Um, so yeah, um, it was just a good fit. So are you are you enjoying much more the kind of like um, assistant coach role than the head coach at the moment? Um, um, and or do you yeah. see yourself returning to head coach role in the future? Or? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. Like it's a, a lot of my friends ask me that as well. Um, 
Yeah, it, it, you have to adapt as a uh, going from head coach to an assistant coach. I've certainly adapted. I think um, the key learning is think like a head coach and behave like an assistant. Yeah. So an assistant, I think, for me, is it's um, create a very safe place for for players. Um, even though you need to still get to the to the questions of shifting and performance, um, it's it's really important to create a safe place. I think for players that they can actually can come and communicate. Um, whether it's whether it's you you going to them easily uh, to to easily create a conversation or strike a conversation or likewise they feel comfortable to come to you. Yeah. Whereas as a head and coach, there's always that little bit of a barrier. Um, they may not feel as comfortable having that same chat with Eddie, right? And yeah. Then, uh, yeah. And and so I think that's the difference. And yeah, um, I think there's one one or two more gigs left in me and. In that in that level, when that is, I'm, I'm, I've got no idea as a, as a head coach, but I think I would be um, certainly leaving myself unfulfilled. I think if I wasn't to use the knowledge that I built over the over the next period to not have another crack at uh, being a head coach, I mean it's um, it's something that I've I've enjoyed. It's something that I'm not afraid of. I'm um, just really really fortunate to be part of a coaching group, and um, coaching groups are very much a collective collaboration anyway, and. Yeah, you know, the head coach makes makes has to make decisions. Yeah. So look, go back to that. You've already mentioned the New Zealand Aussie game that was in that 2003 World Cup, and uh, you were head coach of the All Blacks. So you must have a bit of uh, of the insight into the ethos that's behind um, like All Blacks rugby. And and uh, my one of my favourite books that I like to sort of use within our chiropractic group is that legacy book right? yes you obviously yeah. would be familiar with that and um i love those two stories of the you know the sweep the shed sort of mm. yeah. story and, and also that that concept of like when you get handed the the jersey uh it's like what well, what what can i bring to that mm. myself you know or um but you know what's what's your take on why you think the all blacks have been so successful over those uh you know over these past couple of years especially you know from where you were standing at 2003 yeah I mean um you know I've I've been fortunate to you know play briefly and captain and coach the All Blacks um which is not many not many people have been able to do that um I wouldn't be classed as a legend like uh, a playing legend um so but I've you know I've had obviously insights of three three different roles you know (laughs) um and as a player, way back then, you know, like um, there, you didn't have you didn't have like the markets that are available today, where players can say if they don't get selected internationally, they can go overseas and play. So back then, um, there were five other number eights in the country you know, that were uh, as you know, as good that could play that could play for the All Blacks. So you're constantly challenged and accountable every every week, and only and then only the best got a trial. And uh, and only the best got selected for mid, you know, for for a tour, and then obviously there's a competition between the two number eights who would play test rugby, and that was basically how we were how we were brought up. And then our club system was obviously very very strong, so you had to belong to a strong club to, in order to even get you know selected um, representatively. And then um, um, and now Super Rugby's come along, you know, like and professional rugby has come since '95, so you. Um, and, and while it's changing, it's condensing in terms of the youngsters having to become more blacks, like within the 20-year-old becoming within 18 months. Because, you know, like once upon a time, an under-20 would never play super rugby. And once upon a time, only three player under-20s would play super rugby. Now there's 25. 
So the last time the Chiefs won the competition, I think two in a row, they had, they had a range of a, uh, a strong range in their side of 23 to 20, 28. And All Blacks were made over three or four years. Now they're getting made quickly. So uh, what I mean by that, they come out of first 15, they might play a sprinkling of, of club games, and then they might get four provincial games, and then they're immersed into Super Rugby. But the system still does not allow you to get through Super Rugby. Um, yeah, like if you're not good enough, you know, then, then you won't make the All Blacks. So it's, a, it's, the, it's the system, the accountability, and I think the, the coaching, coaching pathway uh, builds your, uh, your skill set, builds your resilience, um, and allows you to quickly grab awareness and responsibility around the things that you need to, to sustain it. Accountability is a great word, isn't it? Yeah. You know, because I'm sure there's that thing of like, you know, you got to take, <laughs> you know, that the opportunity to do that mm. is probably such a fine margin of, of error of you missing out on that whole opportunity, and and you've got to take on that accountability to sort of like go, well, there's my opportunity, I better jump on that, yeah. or you know, and and going back to that thing, it's like you know, right from when you're young, these guys are probably looking up towards that, the pinnacle of what it is, and everything funnels towards that, doesn't it? You know, right? Yeah, they all want to make it, and what happens now, they, the guys that get there, number two or number three in the system, especially, they, they then go, okay, there's a world class player in front of me, yeah. You know, so like, go back to where McCaw. Yeah, you know, like in the sevens, you know, there was Marty, Marty Holler, and there's a few other, a couple of other sevens that, and they they hung on as long as they could, but then they make a decision to go overseas because then they can derive an income, and and set up their future and stuff. So you don't don't begrudge them for that, but the thing is that the competition is not so great when you when it when it, when that player is extraordinary, but when the player isn't extraordinary, then guys hang on and. Yeah, you know, live that you know, live that dream, live that hope of 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 becoming yeah you know, of becoming an All Black. And once they become an All Black, if they feel that they can't be extraordinary, well, the system will spit you out anyway. Um, uh, then uh, you just hang on as long as you long as you can, and then then go and um, you know derive a, a, an income from rugby overseas and, and and experience all the different cultures and stuff, which I was fortunate enough to do as well as a twenty year old. I mean, as a twenty year old, I went yeah you know, I was a quantity surveyor. In the days when rugby wasn't professional, and um, yeah, I got an opportunity to go to, to Lyon. You know, like as a twenty-year-old, I thought I was going to some medieval village. I ended up in you know a city of four million people, and you know, living this life of uh, you know medium rare meat or rare meat and running mashed potato and trying to learn how to speak French and play rugby with these guys that I couldn't connect with or you know at all. So you know, like for me, I was very fortunate to become worldly pretty quickly. Um, and then I had the chance to go to Limerick and play in Limerick and Ireland as well during the first All Ireland League. So um, I used my overseas experiences as a youngster, um, one to experience, you know, like overseas as an overseas experience. Um, and as a result of it, I also probably learned to to extend myself because I went to boarding school for five years as well. So I think I was pretty much built to be able to handle this this lifestyle of. Yeah, moving around in different places, and I think I've always enjoyed jumping into somebody else's culture and living as the Romans do. Yeah. So, but going back to that thing, I'm, I'm sure a lot of uh, countries have that sort of um, pathway, and uh, you know, to the, the the team, and possibly say England isn't quite as clear as a pathway mm. as as All Blacks, but but. but it, 
Is there anything else that sort of sets it aside that you can sort of put your finger on? Um, in terms of comparing the All Black system? Just, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, um, or, or even just like the, the mentality of, of, of the country or the, you know. Actually, I did have, mm. I, I asked a couple of my listeners a couple of questions and there's this guy, <laughs> uh, Murray down in, Dr. Murray, yeah. um, Murray Warner, and he had a theory, right? And I just wanted to run this yeah. past you and see if yeah. you think it's, if there's any... Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, when you were growing up in New Zealand, did you have a butter conditioner in your fridge? Did I have a? But yes, there was. There was actually. I was and, around that time. Yeah. And and this is the thing, right? Yeah. There's a separate little section in your yeah. fridge, <laughs> which keeps the butter yeah. a little bit softer, right? Yeah. But still cool. Yeah. And so his theory was right: is that New Zealand's better access to slightly softer butter because I don't think Australia has the butter conditioning <laughs> section, right? <laughs> Amazing. And he was wondering, right, whether or not that is one of the secrets to the all-black success is to actually get good access to easily Softer, spreadable uh, butter. Actually, uh, uh, what's his name again? <laughs> Murray Warner. Uh, Murray. Um, he's, a, he's in Sydney now, but yeah, he's a Kiwi. Murray, actually, Warner is actually um, my, father's, um, my father's family name. My father was adopted, actually, and he became a Mitchell, so he got sent to the grandparents. But all my aunties and uncles are Warners. So I'm going, I wonder if yeah. you're related. <laughs> no, so, uh, I, I don't know. He didn't tell me yeah. if you, there's a relationship. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember those soft butter days. Um, <laughs> even to the point where I think I may have burnt my backside as a kid and mum might have used the soft butter to, uh, to actually moisturise my backside, I think, which is a... Which you think is so Hang on, stupid. is what you're saying that it's it's also a recovery agent? It was, uh, it was, or well, Mum right? thought it was in those days. Um, <laughs> is that what the All Blacks used to recover from injury? Maybe, um, but my I I actually don't eat head butter now, so it's. Um, um, Maybe that's where, yeah. you know, maybe England, <laughs> if you introduced the butter back into the equation. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the, the, going back to your question as well, the, the, what's the closest system to it? Um, I think some of the. Yes, yeah, so some of the like uh, the German, German and, and Netherlands sort of like football methodology, I think, is very close. But they're still very much a club club system, and now the, yeah, the world spread. But I think Ireland, Ireland um, have probably got the closest structure because they've got that provincial structure of Leinster, Munster, you know, Ulster, Connacht. And you look at the success of Leinster. I heard a stat the other day that out of a squad of forty-seven, uh, I think pretty close to thirty-seven, thirty-eight. All born in Dublin, wow! So that gives you an, again an idea of, of one connections, relationships, you know, wanting to play, wanting to play for, and aspire to playing for a for a, for a province, and and you know, I guess I guess it works. And then the you know the 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 IRFU basically drive drive the standards, you know, drive the periodisation, drive the recovery, drive the contracts. So just, just to go back into your current day job right now, and because partly I, I just want to sort of, uh, I know your time's precious, but yeah. the, the, the idea is I just want to talk a little bit about performance enhancement, a little bit about recovery, yes. and then a little bit about your story mm. with getting on the old Putney Cairo table, given your war wounds over the years. You know? yeah, it was a good one today. <laughs> 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 but look, so you obviously get the guys, uh, you know, in the first 15 at the top of their game sort of a thing. And is there anything particularly you work on with those guys to get their performance at their best? Yeah, it's been interesting watching uh, the, the change um, since 90, you know, rugby's only, what, been professional since 95. So tell you a quick story is that when I first went to sale as a, as a head coach then and I was a player coach um, with responsibility, there were six of us that were professional 
and their, their rest would go to work and come in at five o'clock. And we just thought professionalism was doing more. Yeah, like, uh, and, and we found out that wasn't the right way because we become very bored very quickly, we become tired. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, rugby industry or, you know, sports industry, business industry, they have, they have um, you kind of like the product of your environment. So then, you know, rugby trainings are always Tuesday, Thursday, captains run Friday, play, play Saturday. And then, you know, like the game became, as you can see, has become a high collision-based sport. Um, it's a very much a power athlete who runs for, you know, 35 seconds, 40 seconds, gets a stoppage, um, starts, starts the game again. And sometimes there's obviously extensive periods, but it's a very intensive sport and mm. power. So, so, but we didn't have all that evidence and all that back then. And so, and now recovery has become extremely important, you know, like, even after each session, um, and then post post game, like it's like you know, you know day after, give them another day, and then you're almost into a condensed period of uh, of um, of serious you know um, training, you know for two days, and then you get a another another ability to recover uh, extraordinarily, and then you, you start the engine up again, and then you then you activate again on on game day, and you go for it. So, so what, again, what I love about where the sport's at now, like if you, you recover differently from somebody else, so there will be choices in, in, in our environment. There'll be choices in terms of how you want to recover. Yeah. And again, getting to know how you best recover as well. Um, and then I think depending on different training methodologies, um, if you have a really strong build up to a, to a particular training session, then I think that also just engenders a, an individual to go, look, I have to cope with this working week. I have to self-challenge self and self-manage myself uh, in order to to perform really well in this in this main training session, which replicates the game or goes beyond some of the game demands in order to give myself you know, the confidence to be to be ready uh, with my mates on, on Saturday. So is there, is there any particular, like, behaviour that's done for this recovery? Because I was assuming that recovery would be a massive part of performance enhancing, mm -hmm. right? That if you don't get the recovery right, you're not going to be able to perform that next weekend. Right? Some swim. Yeah. Yeah, some, yeah, yeah, some de definitely massage, some is the ice uh, bath hyperbaric. The yeah, the I ice bath. Uh, some of them jump in the Thames. Yeah, right. Like, uh, <laughs> like uh, yeah, down the Lensbury there. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm sort of, like, still down the... Down the base, the training base, and <laughs> see some of the boys coming out of the coming out of the teams, you know, like, and they love it because it just it like instantly gives a full body. Because um, I'm, yeah, jumping in those wheelie bins, that, that must be it just must play with your mind, isn't it? Like to <laughs> try and one get in, yeah, you know, like the yeah. biggest thing, how you, how do I get in there? Yeah. And then submerge. Whereas I think you're lucky if you, you go into the teams. It's, it's, it's not as though like the Wim Hof. You've probably heard of that Wim Hof method, right? Of like <laughs> uh, that mad mad guy who loves ice baths and there's breathing associated yeah. with it and all that. That's not necessarily a. So some guys are into that, some are not. No. Um, but yeah, the, the, there is that mental thing of jump. I've never jumped in a a wheelie bin, but I guess Twickenham hasn't there yes. for them to use, right? Yeah. Um, breathing. Breathing's also um, a big part of recovery as well. Um, uh, yeah, the guys you know been educated and um, yeah, so again if you if you want it if you need it yeah because you know yeah, the guy the guys grab anxiety either through poor performance or you know pre pre major session you know like so they've somehow got to learn how to you know bring bring their bodies down um, so you see a lot of the guys 
doing breathing or taking the ability just to get some quiet space. Um, there's quiet rooms for them as well, yeah, like little hubs for those guys that want that, uh, that quiet time. Because I guess you're also talking about this current um, Six Nations. You were obviously in the full like lockdown yeah. hotel situation, right? Mm. So the whole thing could be very a bit easierly managed than they used to just head home after the game, right? Um, yeah. Um, we, we tried to, um, coming out of autumn, we, we, we really kind of like wanted to, uh, the guys have come up with a, like a recovery centre, you know, the staff and the and S&C medical team, they've got like a recovery centre. Uh, I think the protocols, um, the COVID protocols, which were really, really strict um, after Christmas, Six Nation, almost too strict. They were like, it was almost like over-engineered, but that was what the world was. Yeah. And I think we lost the ability to be creative in that area. Yeah. Um, and we lost the ability to try some things out because uh, um, one of the one of the great recoveries is the onsens in the, in the World Cup. Yeah. You know, the World Cup, we lived in, um, we, I think we caught a final against Australia, was in um, Ota. Yeah. And that's the onsen capital of, of Japan. Oh, right. And you just, the lads that just took to that. Yeah. And then, like, it's amazing, isn't it? Like, uh, the lads that took to it, like Carl Sinclair, he, he loves, uh, loves that particular therapy. And um, he eventually educated others and dragged others along. So eventually you had, like, a, you know, a, f- a big group going there. And I guess I think that's... Is, is that, like, steam and hot, 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 hot sort of yeah. um, natural yeah. Natural water and springs, yeah. and you just sit, to sit there, and, you, and it's almost like you know, sauna with, with water and... Um, well, because that was another question I had from another chiropractor in London, Don Murray, who's a Kiwi mm-hmm. as well. And he's like, um, well, he was like going back to the 2019 New Zealand-England game. He first of all wanted uh, you to ask if you could give the playbook back to New Zealand after that game. <laughs> <laughs> but is that, is, is that one of the things, like, you know, that, uh, what you were talking about, uh, was, was that there, where they were recovering before that game? Uh, that was, uh, well, I think we might have moved back into Tokyo for the semi, but we'd obviously come from... You come from come a from, really yeah, good spot, right? Yeah, we come yeah. from a really good spot, yeah. Um, so was that the secret to that game, that you really got you ready yeah, to go? Yeah, it might have been. We might have needed to go back to, to Otto before the final because we, <laughs> yeah, like obviously it didn't get it right in the final and I think, yeah, we we, we gave gave a lot of empty to tank, I think, against New Zealand. So we... Um, well, I think when yeah. you kind of really sort of, I can imagine it would have been like you're really aiming to sort of get past that big hurdle, and mm. then there's what now after that sort of to a degree, right? But um, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. Um, yeah, like yeah, I think most sports, you know, yeah, yeah, in leadership, you know, you tend to set the tone, you you prime the leadership, and you and you've got your attention to detail. But it's a it's a psycho. I think where we can get smarter is the psychological load versus the physical load. So in other words, you know, we had such an outstanding performance, you know, two in a row actually against Australia yeah. and New Zealand. Yeah. And then for some reason we couldn't get the psychological load right again, you know, to and, and, and it intrigues me the psychological load, because there's no there's no perfect answer out there. Like, and you know, these guys give you everything. Yeah. And you say, well, why can't you give it to us again? Yeah. Yeah, like. Uh, but uh, you yeah. know, that that pathway to that final was like yeah. pretty taxing, wasn't yeah. it? You know, like out of control. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a real area in sport. I think that's still very much uh, untouched. It's an art. Yeah, like it's yeah. an art. You know, with you how much you pull off, uh, how much you pull off, because they've given you so much. Yeah. And at what stage do you? Do you create, you know, replicate the game demands in order to be you know, prepared well enough to play? Um, yeah, it's a real, it's a real tricky one. 
Well, let's let's go to you. what actually is is chiropractic part of the England squad recovery setup, or I don't think it really is. Is it? Um, you see mainly physio, um, yeah. and then I think it's left to every individual on how they how oops how they how they deal with the you know like whatever. So there's no, I don't think there's any um, what's the word. Uh, Protocols in place in terms of and there's no team talk. chiropractor as such, is there? For uh, no, 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 team, no um, there's but no, there's no one full time. Yeah. So, but I think it's like anything. Most environments is that be honest about who you're working with because we're not we're not worried about who you work with. Yeah. It's kind of like getting your right, isn't it? Yeah. You know, so we just want to know. Yeah. But um, when in, in the days that we played and and early on in professionalism, there was a lot of hushness there around I'm going to this bloke you know like or this lady you know to, and she's awesome you know like yeah don't, don't tell the physio like because you'll, you'll get the shit you know like uh, and, then, and it's kind of like um, it's funny how that how that works I think that's that's definitely less less of a of a of an obstacle because people are entitled to, you know to me professionalism is 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 being able to have your provide your 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 environment or your program provides you so much. If you're a professional and then you need something else that you know that works for you, well, then invest in that. Yeah. Um, I mean, at the Wasps, when I was at Wasps with Delalio, like, uh, I think he used Margaret Wells as a, as a sprint coach back then. So he was obviously earning X from, from Wasps, but he was uh, investing in, because he wanted to be the fittest athlete and the fastest athlete, he, he might have not have had the same skill set as some of the, the more skillful players, but he knew that if he could get, be optimal physically and fast, then he, he'd be one of the best number eights in the world at the time. And, and yeah, that's an example of, of basically self-challenging himself, self-managing himself through his own money. Yeah. So then going back to your personal experience, because I remember you, know, you were quite sort of, um, you mentioned you did play First Division Rugby in New Zealand. You played a lot. You played like 130 games, I think I saw. And I, I remember that first day. I feel it. <laughs> well, yeah, that first day, because um, it was like Sue Norton, the, the family yes. uh, who were there in Putney. I think you yeah. were staying in the house for a bit or something. Yes, I was. Or, I was looking after their place, yeah. And then so you were just around the corner from Putney Chiropractic, and then you walked through the door. I, I saw you for that first time. Yes. And you were like... Um, I guess Sue says you're the man. Let's, uh, let's. What have you got? You know, and here I am, like, oh, okay, you've and I'm played off to Japan. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. You were like, that was just before the World Cup, right? Yeah, yeah. Wow. And then, yeah, that's right. I saw you a handful of times. I'm like, yeah, that neck doesn't move so good, does it? Yeah. Um, and you know, as a result of like 130 games of pro rugby yourself, but um, you know, it was it was really interesting to sort of have you come in, and you're all about performance for everyone else, yeah. and you kind of forgotten about yourself along yeah. the way. It's a funny. It's a. It's a like a. I have a little written raw. I don't know what it is, but ever since I've been in as a as a coach or a head coach, I feel I should never take the bed or of of, of an athlete. You know, like, and it's almost like, um, yeah, it's kind of like uh, I don't want to be seen um, taking the luxury of the of the resources that exist in the environment. But then, yeah, there's also I forget there's my my well being after 11 weeks of being involved in a in a campaign as as well. Um, so yeah, maybe I, I need to be a little bit smarter in that. But the thing is that I guess it's like anything. You go, you wait to be able to go back to places that you know that fix you, like and in, in that you've got confidence in. And it's funny, like, see, so um, I think why I love chiropractic is because my, my brother Paul and I we used to have to carry Dad out when he was out of line, and we used to go to the chiropractor and used to watch it happen. And then once we became old enough. 
to be adjusted. We we were getting adjusted as well, and then this chiropractor you know explained how our structures were in our spine were very similar to 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 our dad's, and we, we would would have some problems in the in the thirties and the forties, and 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 that and 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 that's and that's played out now. You know, to take my wife and my daughter who who don't understand chiropractic, they they kind of probably expect a lot more, but they don't realise the, the you know the benefits of it because they haven't been as much as I do, I think, because I, they haven't been in it long enough. Yeah. And so, yeah, for me, it's like uh, uh, I'm very big on going to a place where I know I can I can benefit a, uh, immediately, um, and that and I think it's because my association with it as such a young kid. Yeah. His dad was dad was crippled, right? Eh? Yeah, right. Anyway, like he was a lifter with his job. Yeah, he used to buy wool off the farmers. He used to lift stuff on the trucks. He used to drag stuff, and so there were times where he was pinned. Yeah, like and like he couldn't move. Yeah, and then you like try and put the surfboard almost into a into a car. You had to take him to the chiropractor. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, but I think you're hitting the nail on the head, though, in that you've had both things in your life. You've kind of had the uh, the stresses of, of of a player and some wear and tear associated with that with your spine, mm-hmm. and there's there's no doubt that there is that going on. But you've also got the sort of the probably the mental, emotional, whatever stress is going on right now of your job, and sort mm-hmm. of know that you're sort of in the in the public eye, and um, you know there's a fair bit of that sort of yes. going on too, isn't it? You know? It's um, amazing. Like I think I probably carried stress. Oh yes. Um, Pretty obviously, I, I guess when I was a, a younger coach, I think the older I've got, I, my reasons for coaching are, are probably far different. Yeah, like it's very much about serving, serving others and and and, and helping others become the best they can be, yeah. um, and 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 avoid premeditating uh, anything uh, on the day. Deal with what's in front of you, like so, and to me, so observation, uh, feelings, and then you can use your competency of your and you, uh, of your of your knowledge, and you, and you can create the comprehension of all that within the within the relationship. Whereas the other way around, when I was younger, I was like, yeah, it's all about the detail. You're like, okay, mate, have you, have you, you know, you, you should get this foot in here, or you should be observing this and moving to here. So you're almost filling it in for for the individual. Whereas these days, you let people people try and solve it and fill it in, and and then just play play the role around guiding them to to. Yeah, potentially the right way to do things and getting them to find that find their way. Yeah. So, um, um, I think that's that's how I was sort of going to almost yeah. end things up with saying, what was your sort of uh, what are your tips for the sort of the day to day that you're doing now? And, and and that's that's it. You you're sort of like you're just kind of assisting people that are on that right path anyway. Mm. And then you'll just be that person who can kind of like pinpoint things that they're maybe not quite yes. in alignment with or you know, doing correctly, and, and, and that's what you can help them out. Corridor, con- informal corridor conversations are some of the best coaching moments in, uh, in my life, you know, especially internationally where, you know, you don't get them for a long time, and, um, and like, just keep away from the informal setting, you know, like, uh, and it's so funny, you know, you walk down the corridor, you know, it's like this lady walking here, if she was a, a player, like, is it, is it, is the time right to communicate, because I need to actually share with him what he's observed check, his, check for his understanding and then you go no no the time's not right yeah. you know, you just it's a feeling thing and I think that comes through from doing a few miles yeah. um, and, but, and but, that must be the sort of thing that Eddie does to you is, oh, look, can you have a word to this player about this right yeah. and he probably thinks it's not appropriate that he does it or maybe yeah no he does yeah. he, he, like, he, he has a very strong view know your player yeah, yeah. know your person um, it's interesting to talk about chiropractor like even Eddie um, just you know he observes he's very good with observation uh, outstanding skill in observation, and 
Like he said to me, yeah, the last couple of campaigns, he's going, geez, you, you look really straight. You're like, you look, you look really well. And, and I just sort of said to him, well, you know, like I go, you know, I go to the chiropractor. You know, like it, it's, um, and if I'm, if I'm out, I just make a call and get it in. But I said, you know, like when I do a whole lot of things in a row and then I train well uh, and everything, yeah, no, I feel, feel great. And he said, no, no, like your posture, your posture just seems, seems, seems great, you know. So, so um, well, he, he obviously would have noticed you when you arrived in Japan as well, and noticed that you're like, <laughs> yeah, Holy I can crap. actually turn. I can actually, <laughs> actually, I must admit, um, uh, I'm always um, family and included. Uh, they're always taking the Mickey out of me about my driving, and I think my driving's okay. But I'm I'm very grateful that there's navigation devices in the vehicles with the with this neck on the left, because uh, I don't see a lot. Um, uh, especially with the rotation, but I, I actually get really proud of myself when I can actually see see that car over there. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we shouldn't share the fact that we put this recording off a week because you got rear-ended on the way into your appointment yeah, yeah. Last, last week. And so we're a week out of date. I actually um, loved your comment when you said, like, uh, thank God it happened on the way yeah. and not on the way home, otherwise you would have been wasting your, your investment. <laughs> No, it's cool. Yeah. I'm glad that yeah, and you've hooked up with George here in Putney, yeah. and he's uh, he's got a great technique, doesn't yeah. he? And just sort of uh, you know, I'm glad that you're uh, we're able to look after you and help you yeah. keep perform better. So then, um, you know, bring on the next uh, campaign for you, huh? And uh, yeah, all well, the other good thing about it too is that you know, once it's like um, you know, patient to to chiropractor relationship or connection is that yeah, like I often share even with the, my wife and, and daughter, say like make, make sure you communicate what. What's wrong with you? Yeah, like yeah. Sometimes when you go and you go, you're too scared to sort of like uh, talk about what's actually wrong with you. If you if you share what's wrong with you, if you inform the person, then you're just giving them so much more information to have a have a really good um, session. You know. Yeah. Um, like today, I've been yeah like had a like a shoulder impingement. Yeah, like not not up or sideways or yeah like strength wise. It's just when I bring it bring something down to push up, and then um, he just said like yeah you've obviously got some tendonitis. Here and, and he went straight in there like bingo, like uh, yeah. obvious. Yeah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> and that's again, um, yeah, like uh, I should act my age and stop holding tackle bags and things like that to allow these guys to run into me. Uh, brilliant, mate. Thank yeah. you again for taking the time. No, um, I think we've covered everything I wanted to. And, um, you know, this is all about just trying to sort of normalize yeah. a visit to the chiropractor, mm. really. And we have a fairly small listener base, but it's like, a, um, you know, people are sort of grabbing a hold of this. And, and if, if they can hear you at the top of your game still benefiting yeah. and sort of Eddie noticing the difference, then uh, yeah. it must be a good thing. Then, yeah. Right? So. And podcasts are great, aren't they? Like I was actually my son, I said, how do you learn? Because he's done an exercise physiology degree and because um, and he's a professional cricketer and um, he goes, uh, he says he, he listens to podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was actually, I was yeah. going to, in finishing, we should say yeah. you must be looking forward to seeing your son because he's coming over to England to play with New Zealand, isn't he? Uh, yeah, he'll be here mid-month. Um, yeah. So, so he plays sh- cricket. He's, he's playing in the upcoming Test match. Yeah, series, the, right? uh, yeah, hopefully he gets selected. He's been in the squad, so he's, okay. he's obviously, um, he's one of the all-rounders, so they, poor all-rounders, they never know until the morning of the Test match whether <laughs> they're playing or not. Um, mm. So his major competition is coming back from surgery, um, so he's been very fortunate to have a really great summer. Um, okay. in, lieu, in lieu of this guy being injured now he comes back so he, he's done what he's been able to do is present a case yeah. um, he's a competitor which is good but he's um, yeah I've um, I've got two grandchildren as well so Addison we got back for the birth about 
two and a half years ago. Okay. But Lily, you haven't seen at all. So just see her on on Zoom. And so is Lily Daryl? Lily, Lily's uh, Daryl's uh, second little girl. Ah, and they're they're all coming over. No, the, I don't uh, think the wife and the kids are coming over. Okay. So, but Daryl's, I think, is going to be in Southampton and, and potentially in a bubble. So let's hopefully it's not too. It's too difficult. I might have to yeah. throw him some wine gums from the uh, from the road to the balcony <laughs> or something. Um, but yeah, so uh, it'll be good to see him. If, if, if yeah, oh, brilliant. Yeah. All right, mate. Thanks Cheers. again for your time. Let's go. No, um, anytime.